Exterior, City of Angels, Night. Two men sit center stage, brothers of the gridiron to be exact. The eldest by a year, a vestige of the glory days since past, the younger a resurgence of excitement and electricity. Both begin their silent prayer as they are aware that only one will be afforded the fans' true adulation. Who will don the crown? To the victor say we. As the lone tumbleweed rolls through Jerry World, the Georgia Dome lights up one last time. A weary gunslinger approaches the field, wearing a bloody cowboy hat, holding a bag of magic beans, and searching for a final falcon feather. An ice-cold killer awaits him, hounds of thunder and lightning at his back, and a demogorgon in an eleven jersey at his side. Will the dirty bird rise from the ashes this Sunday, or will we continue to dine on a royale with cheese? A dark-hooded figure appears in the shadows of the tunnel at the house that Kraft built on the outskirts of America's bastion of professional sports excellence, the city of Boston. Behind him, a six-foot-four henchman made of muscle, sinew, and grit pulls on his blue number 12 jersey, making his way to the 50-yard line, ready for the battle to come. It calls to mind words of the great poet Zack Snyder, who wrote in his epic 300, It's not fear that grips him, only a heightened sense of things. His hands are steady, his form perfect. Staring back at him, a fierce two-headed creature, claws of black steel, fur as dark as the night, eyes glowing red, one head clad in black and gold, a pearly seven gleaming brightly underneath the night sky, the other smaller, but has a superfly hairdo and the gift of live-streaming, shit he shouldn't be live-streaming. It's a battle we've seen before, and most say they'll know the outcome, but others' lack of faith is an underdog's best friend. Will the powerful triumph, or will fate conspire for an upset? It's Patriots versus Steelers on Sunday. This week on the Left Coasters Podcast. And welcome everyone to the championship week of the Left Coasters Podcast. We're almost there, guys. We have just three games remaining in this NFL season, the AFC Championship, the NFC Championship, and then the grand big daddy of them all. Are you guys excited? We can see the finish line. I, I see it. I can't believe I can't believe that we're here. We've I almost made it through it. an entire season. We gained a team yes. going along <laughs> the way. Somehow we managed to gain a team uh, into our into our uh, little home here out on the West Coast in Los Angeles. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But exactly. yeah, well, we're three weeks away from, from Super Bowl Sunday? Or yeah, four, is it four weeks away? No, Either it's way, three weeks. Three weeks away. Unbelievable. Less we'll, than a month. Of course, have the Pro Bowl in Orlando that nobody cares about. Nobody cares uh, about. In between. What's that? We'll have a couple of shows that week, uh, which will actually be fun we'll bring back some guest hosts yeah and, we're gonna, uh, we have some fun plans yeah, for us uh, this two weeks leading up to the super bowl because it's going to be a lot of football and a lot we have of a lot of festivities set up we're excited i'm very excited and just for this week right now it's just the three of us this week because we haven't had a uh, podcast with just the three of us uh talking our football knowledge in a while and i'm excited for it but this week in our recap section we're going to do a lot of chargers versus the rams because now we have two teams to talk about and we need to decide as the left coasters what we'd aim to do with this podcast moving forward and I'll, as always, you're listening to the Left Coasters podcast, Tony Cavallo, Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini, Matt, D'Angelo, Antonio. And we're here ready to break down the two AFC and NFC championship games. But first, guys. Well, actually, there's only one of each, but that's okay. Yes, you're right. There's only one of each. Four teams remain. It's just, it's gone so fast. The NFL season, that's the problem with it. It just goes so fast. We get so hyped up and ready for it. And then four months down the line, poof, it's all gone in the air. And that's what it is. Four games remaining. We had a hell of a Sunday of the divisional weekend, much more exciting than wildcard weekend. But before we get there, we did not do our due diligence and announce the other three coaching hirings around the NFL. We spent too long talking about the youngest coach ever to be hired, a new team moving out here, they had a new coach, all that stuff went crazy. So, real fast. Honest mistake. Let's dive into the other three coaching hires. San Fran still doesn't know who their GM and coach is, but the other three teams that needed uh, coaches signed them. We're going to go right now to marry, fuck, kill these three coaching hires, okay? We have the Buffalo Bills took Sean McDermott. He was the Carolina defensive coordinator for the past six years. Is that right? I believe so. Six years. He was in Carolina as the defensive coordinator, had one hell of a defense in his tenure there. He is now in Buffalo replacing Sexy Rexy. The Jacksonville Jaguars hired Doug Marone. They also have Tom Coughlin overseeing the whole uh, operations over there and Doug Marone used to coach in Buffalo used to coach for our Syracuse Orange and also was the Jacksonville O-line coach so it's kind of a changing of the guard in Jacksonville but a little bit of the same taste half in, in your half mouth. out kind of deal but Dougie Fresh in his second head coaching stint there and then finally 
the Denver Broncos, who are still the defending Super Bowl champions, stole the defensive coordinator from Miami and Vance Joseph. Miami had the 31st-ranked defense this year. And now Vance Joseph is heading a great defense in Denver and needs a lot of help with his young QB trying to get back into the playoffs and make some waves. So those three coaching hires, guys, you are GMs of the NFL. What coaching hires do you marry, fuck, and kill? I'm going to go with Doug Marone. You're going to marry Dougie? I'm going to marry Dougie. Okay. Well, only because Doug Marone is an entity in which I I know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen him coach. I, he's done a wonderful job. I thought he did a fine job up, up, up in Buffalo and has done a wonderful job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, winning a game as, as the interim coach and getting a little bit out of Blake Bortles. There was already a little bit of life in him when I saw them live when I was there for uh, Christmas. Uh, so he's my Mary, and I think he's also got a – a head above everybody else. He's got a VP who's already won two Super Bowls. In Tom Coughlin. In yep. Tom Coughlin. He's got a structure around him. Yep. And, and and he's and he's not walking to a situation in which he's not uh he's not familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's got the best situation right now. Um and I think he's got the personality for it. Uh I'm fucking uh the Buffalo Bills hire, Sean McDermott. Okay. Because Sean has also had a very um a very impressive streak of good defenses with the Carolina Panthers. We know this year he had a hard time. I don't know if that was necessarily his fault. Um, maybe some GM work there that I think went afoot, went awry. Everything went wrong with Carolina. The DBs that yeah. they that they decided weren't good enough to to keep on the roster and then replaced with six, se- six yeah. seventh-round draft picks, yeah, um, not the smartest decision. But uh, Sean also has, I think, the the pedigree to walk into a Buffalo situation, which, by the way, also had some major injuries on the defensive side. They're getting a lot of players back from injury, yeah. a lot of players back from suspension. So I think he's going into a full cupboard in Buffalo, and I think he's prepped and ready to go there. I'm I'm going to kill my man Vance. Vance. I I don't know what what he did necessarily. I'm sure he's going to be a good good manager of personnel, and he's going to be a good guy to keep keep things in scope. But I think the problem is. When I look at his stats, when I look what he's done really well, uh, it, it's it lacks luster when you consider yeah. the amount of um, the, the the personnel they had for the Miami Dolphins, like the Indomitian Sues, um, that failed to kind of live up to expectations. They had a good year, a fine year, but that defense should have been a lot better than what they were. Yes. So uh, I, I I have some questions about Vance uh, and what's he going to do with the rest of that team, uh, especially on the other side of the ball. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did hire Mike McCoy from San Diego to be the offensive coordinator there. He was the offensive coordinator in Denver during the Peyton Manning years and did a pretty good job there. But yeah, Vance Joseph seemed to be the odd hire out of all these. Dangles, do you uh, have any differences here? Yeah, actually, I do. I think I'm going to just do a quick switcheroo with the first two that Brian uh, picked. I'm going to marry Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills because he is, uh, in the same way that, that Marone is a known quantity, or Brian is saying that Marone is a known quantity for him, I, I see success in Sean McDermott's pedigree. Yes. He turned a, uh, he, he did an excellent job in molding pretty much the entire Carolina Panthers defense into a force to be reckoned with most yeah. most notable obviously last year or I'm sorry two years ago now I guess you could say technically uh, with the, that Panthers team in 2015 that went to the Super Bowl um, I mean he's made he's made an all all pro out of Luke Keekley he made an all pro out of Josh Norman um, he, he just he has that he's got you know he's got a, a championship pedigree and he's got that in a way that I just don't think Doug Marone has um, and which is why I'm I'm marrying Sean McDermott and fucking Doug Marone. I still like what Dougie's walking into in uh, in Jacksonville because, as you said, they've got you know Tom Coughlin, a guy who has Super Bowl experience. They have an owner in Shad Khan um, who is going to give pretty much Doug Marone the keys and say, you need you go ahead and drive. Let us know if we need to fill up or new tires or anything like that. But I think they're going to let him and Tom Coughlin do a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the decision-making. Dave Caldwell, the GM, obviously will be brought in there as well. But, um, you know, it, it's 10 and 6 in his I'm sorry, six and ten in his first season in Buffalo, and then nine and seven after that. With EJ Manuel. With EJ Manuel, yes. Um, that's still. I need to see some more proof that Doug Marone could succeed on his on a regular basis at the NFL level, and I think we've I've seen that from Sean McDermott. Even though McDermott hasn't had a head coaching position, um, I think it's 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 for me. I just I feel better with him. 
uh, at the head coaching position. So I'm marrying Sean McDermott. I'm fucking Doug Marone. And that leaves me also to kill Vance Joseph. Um, I think he's got a tough situation to come into in Denver, not having much of an offense to really build around. you got wide receivers who had trouble catching and holding on to footballs all season long. You've got no running game. Uh, you've got an offensive line that did not do a great job of protecting your rookie quarterback who did not do a great job of, well, being a rookie quarterback, um, at least for the better the better part of the season. Um, and and so, so I think Vance Joseph just has a lot of uh, uphill battling to do, and he's also been a defensive backs coach his entire career. He was only brought in as a defensive coordinator this past season hmm. in Miami. That was his first coordinator job. So, And what you said he had the 31st defense in the league out of 32. I mean, it was only one year. You could call it a snapshot, but to me that says I don't know if that's going to translate well into head coaching uh, wins. Yeah, Dangles, I think I'm right on board with you, Marion McDermott, fucking Dougie Fresh, and uh, sadly killing this Denver coach, mostly because I don't have the faith in Vance Joseph as I have in the other two. And also, if you look at a picture of Vance Joseph, he kind of looks funny. Just putting that out there, he kind of looks funny. What's the difference between McDermott and Dougie for you? The difference between, I'm happy you asked, because Sean McDermott, I know this for a fact, uh, Buffalo needs a steady hand. They had Rex Ryan where you were allowed to get away. He was like a substitute teacher. You could do whatever you want in class, and he would get angry with you but not really angry with you because it was all fun and games with Rex Ryan. Buffalo needs to get slapped on the wrist a little bit and get their shit together in line because they have a very talented team. LaShawn McCoy can still be one of the best running backs in the league. I like T-Mobile. I like Sammy Watkins, and I love the players on that defense, especially— Tyrod won't be there next year. —on the defensive line. I don't know about that. I mean, I think Sean McDermott has the toys in the chest to make it work over there, and I think he's got to be, you know, you must be on time, you must be this, you must be that, you have to be upstanding individuals, and Buffalo might show up next year because they did not show up this year. A little caveat, too, to add to the game. Uh, as of this recording, Kyle Shanahan will be offered, as of right now, the head coaching position at the San Francisco 49ers. Wow, look at that. Breaking news. There you go. There you go. I, I- well, I was going to say, after before we went into the uh, next topic of conversation, I was going to say that the, both the Patriots coordinators have announced that they are staying with the Patriots next season. So that left only one real hot Love topic it. name out there, Love and it. that was Kyle Shanahan. What do you guys think about that? Uh, if Kyle is truly going to San Fran, I feel bad for Kyle Shanahan. Because I know you and I differ, Brian, on this, but I think San Fran is a hellhole right now, the fourth coach in four years, and that owner still doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to football operations. And we don't know who the GM's going to be. We don't know if they're going to get along. We don't know. I mean, I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he did a great job in Atlanta. It makes me happy that this is coming out now because maybe that might uh, might get in Atlanta's head uh, coming up this Sunday. Yeah. Might yeah. make this Not pre-paid Packers fan a little standpoint. bit happening. I, what do you think, Dangs? Uh, I mean, I, I also feel a little bit bad for Kyle Shanahan because I, I do agree with Tony that, that f- it's hot garbage right now in San Francisco in terms of football. And it's, it's really sad, too. You've got this brand-new stadium to play in that you know people you would think would love to come out to. And, and 49er fans are pretty diehard as far as they come because of, you know, of the team's past success and, and how powerful they've been in recent years. But, um, I mean, he comes into this with no running game to speak of. I mean, the running backs in, the running backs in, in San Francisco are the injury-prone Carlos Hyde, um, who is very, who can be very, very good when he's healthy, when he's playing four quarters. Um, behind that, you have Sean Drone, um, and I'm not even sure where you go after that. Uh, it's it, tough. It's, 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 it's a, a tough. A, it's a difficult. And he's a. And I guess I'm saying this because Sean, uh, um, uh, Kyle Shanahan is a running coach. He's a run game. He's gonna. He's a guy who's gonna come in and pound the ball. And there's just there's almost nowhere to go offensively in 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 San Francisco. You've got no quarterback situation. You've got no running back situation. You've got no wide receivers. You've got no offensive line. There's literally nothing that that team has and, going and that for it right now. And defense lost the bulk of its stars over the past two years and are really starting from scratch Chris Borland retires for, I love, for uh, you know concussions I, I, I um, love Navarro Bowen but he's coming again off of a season ending injury it's a tough sledding in San Fran but Brian do you want to say anything on that before we move on I was just going to say that um, I'm looking forward to their draft if Shanahan does come in I think this is going to be a good draft that's going to play to the weaknesses of the San Francisco 49ers they have high picks they have the second overall pick they're going to continue I would like to see them if I could Give a a two-second preview of what is to come for the San Francisco 49ers. I think they need to play their cards similar to what Dallas did this year. I think they need to get their flashy runner in the first round, a Leonard Fournette. Oh, what's up, baby? Second round, third round, fourth round, look for that quarterback. We have to move on now to why we're here in the recap section and why we're here as the left coasters. Again, we started this podcast out, guys, as three football fans living the dream of getting a hometown football team fresh 
uh, out of the oven in the Los Angeles Rams. And this year, they did not. They were a little stale. Let's put it that way. They were a little stale. It's putting it nicely. We were given again a second gift, re-gifted a new football franchise in the San Diego <clears throat> Los Angeles Chargers coming to town. Both have new head coaches. Both have a lot to look forward to next year. And I think, guys, it's going to really be who's going to be the hot topic of next year, the San, the Los Angeles Chargers or the Los Angeles Rams. And us as left coasters, I think we can all make the decision now that next year we will be covering both teams as hard as we covered the Los Angeles Rams this year. And I'm excited to cover both teams because I like football. So, you guys, we're looking at this right now, looking ahead of 2017, because obviously ne- neither of these teams are in this championship round before we dive into that. What team are you most excited to look at in coming in 2017? The L.A. Chargers or the L.A. Rams? Well, I think it's... I think it's going to be – I almost think it's it's hard to argue for any reason that the Rams would be sexier than the Chargers next year simply because the Chargers are new. And the Rams stunk so badly this year that people like us who are fans of other teams, transplants who came here and who got this team are like, oh, we would love to be football fans. We'd love to you know, follow the team and, and all that sort of stuff. I, you know, at least for me, I'm I'm very disheartened by this year. I don't see, and and it's not just that they went four and twelve and had a crummy season. It's that I don't see as a fan a path to success, immediate success for them in the next couple of years. It's going to be hard for Rams fans to keep, and especially when you have to keep going to the Coliseum to watch these home games, because it's going to be at least until 2019 until the job in Inglewood is done, um, that stadium that they're building out there for, for now both of these teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you know when you look at the fan experience that you're getting, if people have, who are Rams fans going to the Coliseum are like, this fucking sucked, this was terrible, I don't want to watch a game here. At the Chargers venue, you're going to get a much more intimate experience with 30,000 seats in a soccer stadium, which plays well into their small market team with a or big market team with a small market feel sort of narrative if they want to run with that. Um, I just I don't see a way for the Rams to be the more popular team. Yes, they're the more entrenched team, but San Diego is shiny and new and just had the wrapping paper taken off of it like a, a fresh Christmas present. So we're going to probably go for a year, I would think, where we're playing with our new toy, the mm-hmm. San Diego or the the now Los Angeles Chargers before, and I think next year will be the year that we will see which team has really won the heart of of Angelinos because this year is going to be a tough sell because, again, the Chargers are brand spanking new. And there's, a, and there's already a, an interesting point to be made, and I think 538.com uh, made a very yeah, good— Yeah, Nate Silver's site. Nate Silver's site made a very interesting uh, post the other day, and it's titled, L.A. is already way more interested in the Chargers than the Rams. And they point out that using the data from Google Trends for the five years leading up to the Rams' announced move last year, Angelinos performed about 11 web searches for the Chargers for every search they conducted for the Rams. Well, I don't know if I like that because the Rams were in St. Louis and Angelino's San Diego was down and the street. And he points that out, and he points that out that also the Rams because they had one of the one of the worst winning records yes. from 2011 to 2015. Yes. You can also lead to the point that they're a less sexy team leading into the move because of their overall record. So who does Brian think is the sexier team moving forward? I don't think it's any doubt in my mind based off of my own reaction my subjective reaction, that I'm more excited about the San Diego Chargers moving to Los Angeles than I was about the St. Louis Rams moving to Los Angeles uh, a year ago. And it boils down to one thing, for me, personally, and that is a team that has more potential for winning over a long period of time because it starts with their quarterback and their coach. Now, we have the luxury of moving into the Chargers uh, uh, as fans with a new head coach, so we're starting clean. We had that awful pile of shit (laughs) Jeff Fisher. Yeah, we did. So we had a lot to contend with. We were already working against that. And that's what we can can look back and say that was probably the the Kroenke's biggest mistake was taking Jeff Fisher with him when he should have known better. The Chargers are already ahead of the Rams in that regard. They're also ahead of them in the marketing game, and they're also ahead of them in what will probably be a better fan experience in the stadium. Yeah, in a newer, smaller, intimate stadium. I'm excited. I, I actually was looking at prices the other day. I'll be going with you. I will be going to those games. Yeah. If For all the people that have been listening to this show, no, I'm I'm the one of the only th- three of us that has not gone to a game this year 
at the Coliseum, yeah. and I and I have no intention of going. Yeah, I have no intention of going. Not You're because not missing out. It, exactly, precisely. Actually, I can't say that. I had a really nice experience. Yeah, you were Coliseum. in the fourth row. I had a yeah. terrible experience, and I was in a regular seat. I don't care if I'm sitting next to uh, uh, the punter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It truly doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter if I was calling plays in with golf because for me, that experience is is marred by how poorly they planned that move. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think I don't think that to me that's not forgivable. I I think that's where it starts for me. That's where it starts because Tell- winning and losing it, it, that's all going to play out over time and it'll it'll go like the stock market. But that's how it starts. What do you think? Tony? Well, yeah. uh, the winning thing is going to be huge in who Angelino's favor for. Obviously, it's who's going to win the more games, who's going to be the sexier at the end of the season. But when they both start zero and zero, I am looking at three things. Um, one, the Chargers have influx and that's who's the better quarterback and that's philip rivers a borderline hall of famer he's never actually won the real playoff games maybe we can you know he phil is a guy you can root for question is does phil play for the charges next year because he has made it obvious that he does not want to move to los angeles even though now his hand he's has changing, been forced. he's changing his tune a little he's bit. he's got though. a lot of kids to move up here to be fair it's, it's a tough situation for him he spent his They'll whole career in one place game. and even even when they got philip uh uh philip rivers he wasn't supposed to be there it was supposed to be eli Remember when that all yeah, happened? He was, supposed to be in New- Phillip, he was supposed to be in New York. Philip has saved the the charges. Anyway, uh, the other thing I look at, the two things I look at are the head coach and the owner. Because the head coach is obviously he's going to have the team in the palm of his hand. He is the one that's leading them forward year by year. The one that's leading them generation by generation and building a team for the future is the owner. And I have done a lot of research on this jackass of a man, Dean Spanos, and nothing has come to terms with the fact that this man is nothing more than in it for himself. He could have stayed in San Diego. He could have stayed in San Diego where they wanted a team. The Most of this uh, uh, backlash from him moving to Los Angeles has been San Diego people crying and L.A. people going, we didn't even want uh, the Rams. And now we're here with the charges. We, there's no reason to say that we wanted this team in Los Angeles. Dean Spanos is sucking on Stan Kroenke's tit in this scenario. And I like Stan Kroenke. I think he's a man with a plan. The other one is the coach. I flat out think Sean McVay is a much better hire than Anthony Lynn. Uh, And Anthony Lynn was a running backs coach for the past seven years. Uh, Sean McVay coached Kirk Cousins, a young quarterback, and has a year and made him a really solid uh, top-tier quarterback. He had much better weapons in Washington than he had here, but Deshaun Jackson is a free agent this season. There's no reason to say Deshaun goes, let me go to Los Angeles when my offensive coordinator is there and I know exactly what I'm going to be doing every week. Jared Goff needs help, obviously. He's better than our number 11. Sean McVay is the guy to do it, and I'm really excited to see where Sean McVay takes this team. So, yes, I'm saying, even though the San Diego Chargers have the sexier uniforms, even though the San Diego Chargers have a sexier running back, a sexier wide receiver, a sexier defensive end who's a young player who's going to be awesome, a sexier quarterback, I'm more excited for the Rams because of the head coach and the fact that I could root for a man like Stan Kroenke before I could ever root for a man like Dean Spanos. So, yeah. I'm in on the Rams, and I like the young gun. I still think Jared Goff, I want to root for him. I want the kid to succeed. I do. I want him to succeed. I want him to be good. And that's the beginning of many conversations of the Rams versus the Chargers that we will have as the left coasters moving on to the 2017 season. But guys, first, we have to do the championship round. We had a hell of a divisional round, so next we're going to do the NFC championship game. And uh, I'm excited for it, guys. Obviously, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. As always, ram it. Before we move on to this weekend's conference championship games, we've got the injury report. To start us off very quickly here, we've got the Atlanta Falcons. Julio Jones has a toe injury. He was limited in practice, and he's expected to play. Yeah, he'll be fine. (sighs) Keep going. Yes, yes. All right, next, uh, for the Green Bay Packers, we have Jordy Nelson. Rob Domofsky, quote, has a small chance to play, according to... Rob. So Jordy, I don't think is going to make it, but he is a day-to-day. See, there is a chance, yeah, slim I, chance. I think he's going to make it. I think we're feeding uh, false information out there to good old Rob because uh, Nelson was a part of the team's workout in the gym today. They didn't okay. have practice today, so he's if he can work out, he's going to he'll be there. He'll be there on Sunday. Uh, also, Quentin Rollins, the defensive back for the Green Bay Packers, he returned to practice. Yeah, which is good. That's a very good sign. And then Morgan Burnett, quad injury. He missed the game. He's looking like a maybe, probably not. Yeah, I'm worried about Morgan. Uh, he's a headhunter on our defense. He, we need him to beat Atlanta, and I don't think he's going to be there. 
Moving on to the New England Patriots, we have Chris Hogan with a minor thigh injury. He will play. And the other sideline, Pittsburgh Steelers, Ladarius Green, tight end. He's still under a concussion protocol. At this point in the week, if you're kind of not not looking good, that's a hard thing to, to yep. turn around the midweek. And I don't think that's going to impact them that much because their other tight end, Jesse James, is very good. And he, catches, he catches a lot. He has one of the, the best names dog. in football. He catches, uh, he catches a lot of balls thrown his way, and he's big and he's strong. I don't think Big Ben's going to miss Ladarius all that. Much. And lastly, we have the man, the myth, the legend, James Harrison, the linebacker who has a shoulder slash tricep injury. We'll just call that an arm, upper body, torso problem. Uh, he is inhuman and will undoubtedly play. Yeah, he was working out after the Kansas City game. He was in the weight room. 4 a.m. After the Kansas City game. 4 a.m. Uh, it's a little bit, uh, it's starting a little bit deer antler spray to me. It is. <laughs> I, I would think so. The man was cut in Cincinnati because he couldn't do his job, yet he puts on the Pittsburgh Steel uniform, and he's the MVP and of that super, defense. And oh, this, is nothing, this is nothing new for him, either. He's been, he's, he has been posting ridiculously timed workout videos of him doing obnoxious things at, 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 at yeah, ridiculous ages. Somebody needs to piss test that guy. I don't know. Today. I don't know. But that's the injury report, and uh, looking forward to a clean bill of health for most of these teams. It's going to be an exciting week. Glad Can't everybody's wait. going to be locked, loaded, and ready. Let's ram it. All right, and welcome back, Left Coasters. Again, Tony Cavallo, Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini, Matt D'Angelo, Antonio. And again, if you have any questions for us, we're starting to plan what we're going to do in the offseason after the Super Bowl. So if you have any podcasts you want to hear, we have some ideas that we're cooking up here. Obviously, we're going to do a draft one. We're going to do a, a free agent one. But please send an email to theleftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll be uh, maybe building a website in the future, so get prepared for that. But now... The reason why we're here, the NFC and the AFC Championship is this Sunday. We had a hell of a divisional round, and it's it's down to the final four, guys, the final four NFL teams. Um, we've been picking these games all throughout the playoffs, and lo and behold, the leader of our regular season, our regular season champion of picks, is now the leader in the clubhouse in the playoffs. Brian, you have you got all four right last week, which gives you a grand total of 11 points on the playoffs. Dangles and I had one wrong last week. We are sitting at nine points, still very close within striking distance. We're picking two games here, and each of these games are worth three points apiece. So, diggity dangles. The first game of the day is the NFC Championship. What do we have? Oh boy, Sunday's going to be a good one. Green Bay, your Packers. Yes, Mike sir. McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, Ty Montgomery, Randall Cobb, and company. Heading to the Georgia Dome in what is the final football game that will uh, be played by, by the Atlanta Falcons in the Georgia Dome. They're closing and heading to a new stadium next year. It's a, a 12.05 Pacific, 3.05 for those of you on the East Coast kickoff. It'll be on Fox. Uh, now to get to this game, uh, you may remember last weekend the Atlanta Falcons defeating the Seattle Seahawks 36-20 to wow. was the final score uh, at the Georgia Dome. Seattle just did not look good at all um, and, and wasn't able really to get anything going offensively and their defense wasn't able to keep Matt Ryan out of the end zone. The Green Bay Packers, meanwhile, uh, uh, beat the Dallas Cowboys in one of the closest and best playoff football games I've watched in a very long time. 34-31 to on the foot of Mason Crosby who made not one, but two Two 50-plus yard field goals in the last uh, 90 seconds, I believe it was, of the game. Technically three. Technically, technically, okay, technically three. Uh, but uh, carries his team to a win. Um, so now these two teams face each other this Sunday. Tony, the Falcons are going to score a lot of points. That's one thing they've shown us for the entire season. How does Green Bay keep them out of the end zone and, and make sure that they don't run away with this early on? Atlanta looked amazingly good, could do whatever they wanted against a defense that has shown us to be playoff-ready and Super Bowl caliber for the past three years. Green Bay squeaked out a win against the best team this whole season in the NFC and the Dallas Cowboys. I think I had the Dallas game pegged exactly, where the Sunday Scaries came out and this team not, and it wasn't the rookies, because Ezekiel and Dak had a great game, but the rest of the team, including the defense, making a lot of mental mistakes, made just enough for Ad to give Aaron a chance to pull off a Hail Mary in the middle of the field to set up that last field goal. And Dallas came to play. Not Mason hit two 50-yard field goals to, to put him ahead twice, but Dan Bailey hit a more clutch field goal to tie the game with, uh, uh, clocks, uh, with, the, with seconds winding off the clock, also a 50-yarder. That team came to play. Atlanta is scary. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, he might be a god. 
it's the un, the the it's hard to plan for a guy like him, and that's what makes them difficult to beat. I think on the offensive side of the ball is because. And here's an example for you: the play, the pass to Jared Cook that got them into field goal range. That final pass. Aaron drew that up in the huddle. He didn't get a play call from from the sideline. He wasn't hearing anything from his offensive coordinator. Mike McCarthy didn't tell him. He literally, like a kid drawing in the dirt on playground football, went into the huddle and said, you're going here, you're going here, you're going here, and I'm going to throw it to whoever's open. Get open, be open. And Jared Cook made an incredible play on that ball. And you can't you can't plan for that kind of stuff. You can't plan for a guy who's going to roll out of the pocket, bootleg, and then throw a touchdown Hail Mary 60 yards. You just can't game plan for a guy like that. And uh, hats off to Jared Cook, who on that final drive dropped two catchable balls right before, before making that, that catch. And we were, we were ripping on him yeah. watching the game. I could not believe they were very easy catches. A.J. Hawk did an interview with ESPN on the radio, and he said something very, very interesting about uh, Rodgers, because he also played with Matt Ryan uh, the latter part of his career. Yep. So he knows the quarterback's very well. He said there is no quarterback who has better recall than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers can tell you about a play that he had in high school, the formation, the the depth of the the DBs and the and the formation on the other side of the ball. His ability to recall. So when you've got a guy calling plays and drawing in the dirt what he wants people to do in in a playoff he's game, he's not just guessing. He's not just guessing. He knows where to hit you all the time. It's it's it incredibly impressive. So, so how does that translate against Atlanta's defense? Well, that's the thing. He has to continue to be prototypical Aaron Rodgers. He has to continue to literally stand there and count the defenders as they're running off the field and try to snap and steal five yards. That's, a, to, that's, a, that's amazing. He has to be able to run the play at the right time, make the adjustments at the line, because here's the thing, guys. Atlanta's offense is the best offense in the league, hands down. It's better than my Green Bay offense led by fi- the fire of God and Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan has so many weapons, including the best wide receiver in the NFL in Julio Jones, who, toe injury aside, again, no one on my team can cover Julio Jones. We saw what Des Bryant did, and we had good good coverage on Des Bryant. It wasn't like Des Bryant was wide open. He had man hand, all over him, and Julio Jones is bigger. Julio Jones is faster, and Julio Jones is stronger than Des Bryant, and he's going to come to play, too, at home. I'm worried about Julio taking over this game, and that right there is the number one stop, is we need to make Julio Jones take him out of the game completely because he has a past of killing us. He had uh, one of the best games of his career against Sam Shields two years ago and the Green Bay Packers. What I need to see is there were three sacks on Aaron Rodgers in the game in Dallas. Three sacks the whole game. My offensive line was great, but they lit up three sacks, including one on the final drive where Aaron barely held onto the ball and had called a timeout, and it led to that final play. All three of those sacks for Dallas came from defensive backs on blitzes, and there is not a team that blitzes more than Dan Quinn's defense, and they're built about uh, they're built around speedy players in both the linebackers and the safeties who come ripping down the line and try to make wreak havoc on the on the uh, offensive line. So, I need Green Bay to look at those blitzes and plan, and Mike McCarthy has done a great job planning for the teams he's facing, and make sure Aaron stays clean the whole time because you're not going to hold this Atlanta team to below 30. Green Bay needs to score every time they have the ball. They can't they can't fall apart in the middle of the game like they, get, they did in Dallas because they let Dallas come back in that game. They were whooping Dallas the first half. They let Dallas come back into that game, and it shows what Dak Prescott has uh, uh, underneath that jersey. He has a lot of heart and played really well when his back was against the wall, but... All I need from this defense is one stop. One stop. That's all I need. Don't care when it is. I need them to stop once and have Aaron score every time he has. I'm not exaggerating either. Every time he has the ball, Aaron needs to score, and my defense needs to make one single solidary play. Yeah, that's this the, game is going to be in the 40s. That's the only way you're going to do it because, you know, and I was just going to say to sort of bring it over to the Falcons' side of things uh, in terms of what they need to do, I think, to succeed against Green Bay. You know, you know, I, normally in this sort of situation, I might say they need to put pressure on the quarterback. They need to make Aaron Rodgers be uncomfortable in the pocket. The problem is you can't make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable in the pocket. He's made that up. He's made that like crystal clear over the course of this season. There is not a point at which he feels uncomfortable in the pocket. So I think the key to success for the Atlanta Falcons is doing exactly what they do best, which is score more than you. Yeah. They just need to get into the end zone. Every they didn't do the exact same thing. The whichever team does exactly what you just described, Tony scores every time they have the ball, and whichever team gets that one stop, whether one that's stop. a pick, whether that's a three and out on uh, late in the game, uh, whether that's a fumble recovery, whether that's you know. Uh, 
a blocked two-point conversion. Who knows? A blocked point after it could be. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. That's how the Atlanta Falcons are going to do it because you know they're because they're not going to beat them with their defense. They're not going to beat them with just their offense alone. They they need they need to they need to be able to to score more points. Than, than Green Bay. It's this, just it. This game to me is going to be very reminiscent of a relatively meaningless wild card game between Kurt Warner's Arizona Cardinals when they went to the Super Bowl and Green Bay's uh, young Aaron Rodgers led team. It was a game that was played in the 40s and literally these teams scored every time and went into overtime and the one play that changed it was Aaron was sacked in the pocket. Uh, the defender ended up getting the ball in his hands and ran into the end zone to end the game. It was one of the most exciting games and a very, very terrible loss for my Packers. That's what I see this week. Brian, real quickly, a little bit of analysis, and then we move on to picks. Three things, turnovers. The other one is, whose running back will be more dynamic? Uh, Tevin, uh, Devontae Freeman had two touchdowns. Yeah. And I believe Ty, excuse me, he had one catching touchdown, and and Ty Montgomery had two. So it's who's who's running back is going to be more more crucial to the, the the run game, but also the passing game. And then lastly, special teams is going to play a, a huge huge factor uh, in, in this game. The Mason Crosby and uh, the Brian of the last game. Who's going to kick more field goals? Who's going to kick the long needed field goal when the field position is not in your favor? That's what I'm looking one for. One other thing that pops to mind really quickly is is a battle in the trenches. This could very much be between defensive, the Green Bay's defensive line and, and Matt Ryan's offensive line. He hasn't spent a lot of time under pressure this year. He has a solid offensive line. He's been able to be comfortable in the pocket. If Mike Daniels and company can get into that backfield, Clay Matthews, if Clay Matthews can be disruptive and get into the backfield and make Matt Ryan's life difficult, he's not as solid as other quarterbacks rolling. He can run and he can take a hit, but I think if they make his life difficult, you know, we, we could see a battle in the trenches here be a factor as well. I'm scared of a battle in the trenches because Atlanta Atlanta's offensive line is the only offensive line in the league that has had the same set of starters from week one to now. That team knows how to play together on the offensive line. And you know how Aaron Rodgers one-ups that on the other side of the ball? Scrambling. If Aaron Rodgers can scramble and, and make plays happen with his feet, which he always does, Matt Ryan doesn't do that. Matt Ryan he, does not he do He can, that. just not as prolifically and not as frequently as Aaron Rodgers. Let's move on to picks. Uh, Tony, I want to start with you since this uh, is your game. Green Bay, Atlanta, who are you picking? Obviously, I'm going to pick Green Bay because that's my team. Uh, this is going to be the toughest test so far of this, this year for Green Bay, and they played each other already this season, and Green Bay lost by one point in an amazing game. It's going to be a shootout, fellas. It's going to be a shootout. Las Vegas set the over-under for this at 60 points. 60 points. That's the highest they've ever had in over-under. I'm taking under. the under on that. Oh, I'm taking the over, baby. This game is going to be played in the 40s. One stop is all I need. And the Atlanta defense, the Atlanta defense has, this. there's only four teams left, guys. And the Atlanta defense has let up 150 more points on the year than your New England defense over in Boston. New England is, has not had a great defense by Zero defense is what you're telling me. Zero defense in this game. One stop, boys. That's all I'm asking for. Go Pack, go. I'm going with Green Bay as well, Tony. I figured you were. Well, uh, I th- I think I texted it to you uh, last weekend. When the Green Bay Packers score more than 30 points, they are undefeated this season. When the over-under is 60 points, you're, you're almost guaranteeing a 30-point scoreboard plus for the Green Bay Packers, and they will win again on the arm, like you said, of the of the god himself, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dangles. Yeah, it's... <sighs> It's really hard to argue with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I I just I was so I don't I don't know that I've ever seen him put together a performance like what I saw this past Sunday against Dallas. AJ Hawk said he's never seen him play this I well in his life. It's unbelievable. I've never seen him play this well in his life I, except for that Pittsburgh Super Bowl. Green and Green Bay is still the hottest team right now. I think coming into this, they're they're they are continuing to win football games. They believe in themselves. And the last thing you want, if you're playing, you know, playing a team like Green Bay, is for them to really be riding this momentum and them for really be believing in themselves because that's that's contagious in a locker room and playoffs. But the Atlanta Falcons beat your two week ago Super Bowl pick in the Seattle Seahawks. So. Who you got, Dinks? That's true. That is very true. And not true. to mention Atlanta has also played one less game in this playoffs. They have. They have. That's very true. More juice in that tank. They, that's very true. I still think I'm going with Green Bay for experience sake. Um, they just they have it. Mike McCarthy has playoff experience. Aaron Rodgers have has playoff experience. And if I have to choose between Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers on the final play of the game, who I want the ball in the hands of, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers every single time. I Don't love, get mad. I love Matt Ryan. I do. Um, I just think Green Bay is going to win this game, even, even in Atlanta, and 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 even facing the daunting uphill ta- uphill battle that 
but they most certainly have. Don't get pissy because everybody picked the same team. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't like it because he's superstitious, and that's yep. fine. Yep. Everybody right. picks hey, we New- did it everybody last picks- week. Everybody picks New England every single week. They yeah, don't I lose. I know. All right, let's. Uh, that's it for the NFC Championship. We do have one more game on the docket. It involves Dangles' favorite team, the New England Patriots. Cool so boy. before we move on there, as always, ladies and gentlemen, ram it. All right, guys, welcome back. We're here. We just did the NFC Championship. We all picked Green Bay, much to my dismay. Now we're moving to the AFC Championship dangles, also on Sunday night. What do we got? Yeah, uh, this one's going to be 640 Eastern, 340 here on the West Coast on CBS at Gillette Stadium in uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts. It's uh, Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in to face New England and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Uh, The Patriots uh, got here by beating the Houston Texans 30 four to 16 uh, in the divisional round uh, last weekend that was on Saturday so this is really going to be the first actual matchup for the New England Patriots of the playoffs and probably one of the tougher games that they've played all season long uh, Pittsburgh meanwhile defeated Kansas City 18 to 16 in another game that came down to the very last few seconds on Sunday evening uh, so this is this was my uh, AFC championship pick I'm not sure if anybody else had Patriots Steelers uh, this was my AFC championship pick to start the year out with uh, so I feel pretty good about that. Um, this is going to, like I said, this is going to be New England's toughest game, I think, all season long. Um, Pittsburgh is a much different team now. Uh, I think they were in the beginning of the year when they were still having some uh, issues trying to find their footing. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was hurt a little bit. Uh, uh, they lost to the Patriots when they met them earlier in the season, 27-16. to uh, That game was also in Foxborough. Uh, so the Steelers are, good, are out looking for revenge here. Uh, and they have some, unfortunately, some off-the-field drama to deal with, with uh, Antonio Brown deciding to live stream Mike Tomlin's speech in the locker room after uh, following the victory uh, in Kansas City. And um, while I personally don't care, everybody's freaking out about, can I just say, everybody's freaking out about how Mike Tomlin said, you know, we gave these assholes a day and he called the Patriots assholes. Who cares? No, no, he, he, he would have called, called the Texans assholes. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered who they are. It just happened to be Welcome the Patriots. Welcome to locker room talk. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, Roger Goodell will not be in attendance. Fuck you. Don't need you there anyway. We're still going to win. Have fun coming to the Super Bowl. You're going to have to watch us anyway, you prick. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, I think this is, the Patriots, the Patriots should win this. Tom Brady. Brady should have a huge game. Um, LeGarrette Blunt has been the silent star of that offense for the entire season. Game after game after game, he comes out, he barrels through the line for a couple of touchdowns. He rips off 10, 20-yard runs when the team needs them. He gets my game ball for the season. Outside, I mean, Brady's obviously Brady. Like, it's hard to argue. But if there's another player on that team who I think deserves, like, the MVP for the Patriots, it's LeGarrette Blunt. He's really done an incredible job. That offensive line has kept Brady standing up for most of the entire season. Um, For Pittsburgh to win this game, their defense is going to have to have the game of its life. It's going to have to force Brady to throw. He threw two interceptions all year long. They're going to have to pick him off at least that well, many times, he I took, think. He threw four interceptions all the year long because he threw two against that Houston team last uh, week. Okay, I'll, you're talking, so, I'm talking about the regular season. So that's yes, a little total. scary. He did throw two against the Houston team. That's also a Houston team with the best defense in the NFL Correct. and some of the best defensive backs in the NFL. And, and defensive line. And, yeah. yeah, and and so and they, gave him a, they gave him a lot of trouble, but I really think this if, if Pittsburgh's defense can make Tom Brady's life hell their the Patriots defense is is as we said mediocre I they're gonna have a tough time keeping up with Ben Roethlisberger I think the Patriots win this because they score more than than the Pittsburgh Steelers do and they force Ben to make a mistake they need to force him to make a couple of mistakes he's prone to it he is prone to it and Brady is not prone to it so if the Steelers defense has the game of its life and is able to keep Brady uh, uh you know uh, off the scoreboard, there is a very solid chance they pull the upset. But otherwise, this is this is the Patriots' game to lose. This is going to be a tough one for Pittsburgh. No, that's a guarantee. This is going to be a tough one for Pittsburgh because that game against Houston for New England was exactly what the New England team needed. Because Bill Belichick now has a whole week to say, you aren't as good as you think you are. You can't... Because Houston played a great game against them and actually made it a game that they was closer. They played probably the best they could have asked it, for. It was a closer game than the score looked to be. And uh, so now Bill Belichick can say, you can't make these mental mistakes. you got to show up ready to play. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. You know, nobody believes in us factor because you need that motivation to get this team off its ass. Pittsburgh's in trouble. I'm not going to lie to you. Pittsburgh is in trouble. They played Kansas City, and Kansas City had a really bad game, guys. 
they had a really terrible game, but Pittsburgh still only won by two points and had a chance to have it tied at the end. Pittsburgh couldn't get in the end zone. Six field goals in the Kansas City game. It's a tough, tough sled, and they're going to need to score touchdowns in order to beat this New England team. Bright guy, I mean, what do you think, my man? I'm curious what you guys think about uh, New England's defense in all of this. We we talk about Ben Roethlisberger putting up points. We talk about Brady putting up points. We talk about uh, the Steelers' defense. But where does New England's defense fit it's a in huge, all this? It's a huge lynch, linchpin, particularly the front seven, uh, led by Dante Hightower and Rob Ninkovich, uh, because Le'Veon Bell. And he is going to be such a huge factor uh, in this game. I'm reading, I was just reading through an article here. In each of his first two career postseason games, he's broken the Steelers' single-game playoff rushing record, including his 170 yards last week against Kansas City. He's also accounted for 45% of Pittsburgh's yards from scrimmage during the playoffs this year. That's That's the highest for any player in the last five postseasons. So if that's any indicator, the Steelers are going to be relying almost solely on Le'Veon Bell to get them set up to score points. So what I'm looking at, and I'm to answer your question, Tony, I'm looking at if Pittsburgh Steelers' defensive line can cause enough havoc, cause enough confusion, and enforce Tom Brady to limit his his production, put put the ball in Le'Veon Bell's hands and just bleed. Bleed the clock. Yeah. Bleed the clock and limit the amount of times. Tom Brady gets drink from the trough, so to speak. So if you if they can do that, they've really got a chance. They really, really have a chance. But that is a very, very hard task to do. You're almost counting on Tom Brady making mistakes and 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 the and the Pittsburgh Steelers playing the best game of their life in, in order to do so. Yeah, the, you're right on with the defensive line because when I was watching the New England Houston game, there was a center for New England, number sixty, I believe his last name was Andrews. He let up three sacks and was blown off the line on the Garrett Blunt final play of the first half. That's just in the first half. He was getting manhandled. And if that continues to happen, they're going to pinpoint that and put their best David, pass it's rusher. David Andrews, and he's had a, he's had a tough time with this all season long. He's kind of the weak. He is the weak link of that offense. So line. they're gonna they're gonna do exactly what Houston did and put their best edge rushers right in the center and say one on one you're gonna beat him. I could see Harrison playing right in the middle and being like, "Yo, you know you need to pass on this down. I'm gonna blow up your center." So it's scary. So if you've got that happening enough times, and you're gonna see it. Pissed off Tom Brady, wanting bigger, deeper balls to make up for yardage. You know, he's he's calm and cool, but when things start kind of going and the Pittsburgh Steelers feel like they have a little bit of momentum in that cold, you know, uh, Gillette Stadium, Le'Veon Bell has just got to keep running. Just yeah. keep pushing. So uh, that's what I'm going to be looking for if, if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have a chance. All right, uh, let's uh, well let's move on to picks here then. Uh, 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 Brian, let's start with you. Do you have a do you have a thought here? I th- uh, I think the New England Patriots are going to pull this off, um, and I think they're going to pull it off pretty sizably. Not because I don't have faith in the Pittsburgh Steelers, but because I have that much faith in in Tom Brady and that offense, and more importantly, to your point, uh, Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see them being outmaneuvered by a Pittsburgh Steelers offense and defense that is pretty vanilla. They they come in, you know what they're going to do. You don't there's no dip and dunk, there's none of that horse shit. It's straight up run up the gut, and I think the New England Patriots are gonna be ready for them. Um, there is not a hotter team in the NFL than the Pittsburgh Steelers. I say that as a Green Bay. Green fan. Bay Packers. Sorry. No, well no. Statistically, Green Bay's won eight games in a row. Pittsburgh's won nine. There is not statistically a harder game in the league than the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. And that New England defense, the only way they win this game is to do exactly what Kansas City did and exactly what New England is known to do. Bend but don't break. Let Le'Veon Bell get his yards. Let Antonio Brown get the first down. Let Big Ben work Jesse James up the field. But when it gets to the red zone, force him to kick a field goal Mm -hmm. because Tom Brady's not. Tom Brady's getting in the end zone. New England wins this game. Not even worried about it. Yeah, I think the Patriots win too. Uh, you know, you want to talk about you want to talk about statistics. Ben Roethlisberger has never beaten Tom Brady in his career in New England. He's 0-3 when he plays Tom Brady at Gillette. Uh, and I mean, it's it's he's just the dom. And I'm reading this like in, I'm reading this in an ESPN article. The dominance that Brady has over the Steelers when they play in the playoffs, really at any time. Brady just beats the Steelers. He's got at least two passing touchdowns and no picks in each of his last regular six regular season games against the Steelers. That's the longest streak of its kind in history against any NFL team ever. Wow. 
at least two touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, so Brady just doesn't lose. He just doesn't lose. And Ben Roethlisberger's never beaten him at Gillette. Ben Roethlisberger is three and one in AFC Championship games. He's three and six all time against Tom Brady or against the Patriots. But one of those wins was against Matt Castle. He wasn't even facing Tom Brady. So all this to say, the numbers don't stack up in favor of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, I don't think they can rely on just Ben Roethlisberger or just a- Antonio Brown or just Le'Veon Bell. It's got to be a combination of all three of them, and they have to put pressure on Tom Brady. They have to make his life hell because if Brady is comfortable in the pocket, which he is most of the time, he's going to complete passes. They're going to move the ball downfield. The Patriots don't go three and out very often, and Pittsburgh, you know, they've been known to not be able to finish drives. They'll put together a great drive, get almost to field goal range, and then have to punt it away. If they can't be efficient and finish their drives, there's absolutely no way that they win this game. Um, but I'm picking the Patriots. I, they, they, they have to win this. It's their yeah. game to lose. I think Pittsburgh comes out with their head on fire, but the halftime adjustments Belichick makes, they're a better team. They're a better team. And uh, so that's it, are, guys. Yeah. We all picked Green Bay and New England. So we're all looking at a Green Bay-New England Super Bowl, a.k.a. my dream Super Bowl, a.k.a. the Super Bowl I picked in week one of Kudos this NFL podcast. Kudos so, to right, you. It's not done yet. we got one more game to go through. All right, that's it for the Left Coasters Championship Preview Podcast. We will be back next week with a slew of guests for you for our Super Bowl play. And then in two weeks, the three of us will sit down and make this. We're going to make this the smartest Super Bowl coverage. If you want to be intelligent at your Super Bowl party, you listen to us in two weeks in the Super Bowl preview. We'll walk you through it, baby. But that's all we got for this week. As always, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Tony Cavallo, Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini, Matt D'Angelo, Antonio. That's the Left Coasters podcast. Coming at you. Yeah, baby. So, uh, and go pass. should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 